Hey, what's up, family? Welcome back. Uh, so thankful for that worship. Uh, we're about to dive into the word of God. We're in a brand new series uh, called Everyday Joy. Uh, like I said before, man, I just think it's critical that we understand how we can obtain this joy and also what are some of the things that tries to steal this joy from us. Um, so I encourage you again, share the link, hit the button. Just don't think about it. Just do it. Uh, hit the link and share this. Uh, if you, I want to encourage you to use your Bibles. Uh, if you don't have them, you can use a link that we have on the screen right there to download uh, the scripture so that you can read along with us. Um, excited about this little book of Philippians that Paul writes. I think it's going to be a great encouragement to us. What time is it? Well, it's word time. Let's get it. Uh, you can meet me in Philippians 1, 12 through 18, and we'll jump right in. Here's what Paul says. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest of my of my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. I want to talk from the message entitled Gospel Advancing Joy. Two points. One, an unstoppable message. And two, the thief of joy. The thief of joy. Let's pray. Father, thank you. That the entrance of your word gives light. Thank you that you have used mere men throughout centuries to stand and open their mouth and proclaim your truth. And you have used the foolishness of preaching to be a tool to your salvation. So, Lord, would you use me today? Use me to speak to your people to Lord, that I would do justice to this text. And in so doing, would the text do the work that the text is designed to do? Would you encourage us? Would you challenge us? Would you help us to be bold in our faith and help us to hold on to the joy that that cost you everything? We ask in Jesus name. Amen. Unstoppable message. The story is told of a deacon that is driving down the coast on a Sunday afternoon. And as he's driving there. Uh, with his wife in the car and his child in the car, uh, he sees the car in front of him slam on the brakes. And this deacon seeing this car slammed on the brakes is kind of maneuvering himself to see, man, what's going on? Uh, why did this car slam on the brake? And as he's looking around, he sees this guy was on a bicycle and the car that slammed on the brake just hit the guy that was on the bicycle. Uh, and this guy that was on the bicycle after being hit, he he gets up and he is irate. He's not just angry. He's losing it. He gets up and he's slamming on the hood of the car and he's hitting the car. And as his passions increase, he goes over to the driver's side of the car and he opens up the door and he starts punching the driver. Now, this driver, mind you, is a 75-year-old elderly gentleman that has just hit uh, this young guy on a bike. And this guy 
has lost, he's just wailing on him, punch after punch, starts kicking this older gentleman in the car. And people are gathering around and they're starting to watch what is happening, but nobody's moving. The deacon has this dilemma. What do I do? Do I stay here in this car, maybe call the police, make sure my family is taken care of, my wife, my child is taken care of, or do I get out and do something? He has to make a decision. And in a second, he decides. So he sees this guy punching, kicking, fighting this elderly, this older gentleman. He jumps out of the car. He snatches the guy off of the gentleman. The guy ends up ripping the deacon's shirt. So he goes again to grab him. And, and the guy starts fighting the deacon. Now the deacon got to decide what I do. Brother done laid hands, not just on this gentleman, but this brother laid hands on me and not to pray. So the deacons decide, uh, what can I do to nullify this situation, to neutralize the situation? And this deacon decides, I got to hit him to calm him down. And he hits him with what I used to call a one hit acquitter. What is that, Rodney? What is a one hit acquitter? It is that punch that after I throw this punch, there are no more punches that need to be thrown. It is the punch that makes you lay down and take a nap. This deacon hits him with that and, and, and the brother's out. And as the crowd begins to see this action, they begin to applaud. Finally, the cops come and, and the cops say, uh, 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 Deke, uh, how, how many times did you hit him? And Deke says, I, I, I only hit him once. I had to neutralize him. And the police says, that's exactly right. That's, that's what all the witnesses have said. You're, you're free to go. I'm sorry about your inconvenience but this brother will be dealt with. This deacon in a moment decides to jump out of his car to risk his personal safety, to risk the personal safety of his family, to, 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 to defend this guy he doesn't even know. Here's a question on the table. What would you have done? Could you have jumped out of your car? Would you have stayed put and called the police? I don't know. I don't know what you would have done, but if I had to bet on my GF family, if I had to bet on the brothers of GF, if I had to bet on the people of GF, even young ladies of GF would have done something. We, we, we would have intervened. We would have, we would have said, stop. We would have did something. We would have threw a shoe. Something. We, I believe we would have intervened because we care for people. We love people. It's, it's natural to do that. Here's another question. If we have the courage to risk our personal safety, we have the courage to intervene for a stranger. Do we have that same courage to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with a soul that may need it? Beloved, here's the truth. This gospel is going to advance with or without you. Here's the, here's the question. Won't you come join in the joy we can experience in sharing good news? This is what Paul is experiencing in his text. He is gifted with the privilege of preaching an unstoppable message. This message has continued 
for thousands of years and it ain't going nowhere. It is the good news of what Jesus Christ has come to do for sinners. He's come to save sinners. He's come to redeem sinners. And that is a beautiful message. And it's not going to stop. And you got a choice that you got to make. I got a choice that I got to make. Am I going to be a part of heralding this good news? This is what Philippians is ultimately telling us. You want joy, not just happiness, up and down emotions. Do you want joy? Do you want the joy that lasts? Here's how you get it. You share the gospel. You share the gospel. Paul starts in verse 12 and he says this. Let's look at it again. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Now, what's happened to Paul is a question. Well, you know this from last week. Paul is in prison. Paul is locked up and they won't let him out. And many would have said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm locked up. I, I, I can't go out. I, I can't preach. I can't be in the synagogues. I can't go down to the marketplace. I'm limited in my reach. Let me just stop. No, Paul says, if I'm limited in my reach, then I still have a captive audience. Hey, come here, guard. Hey, come here, official. Let me holler at you real quick. Let me ask you a question. Have you heard of this Jesus? Hey, man, can I pray for you? Is there something I could pray for you about? And as I'm praying for you, hey, have you have have you repented of your sins? Do you know what sin is? Do you know sin is a, a great problem against a holy and righteous God? Do you know there's a plan for salvation for you? So Paul is just in there. And like my boy Josh would say, he's kicking the gospel. He's getting the word out. He's letting people know about Jesus, even while he's locked up. And man, that's good news for us. I know they're talking about opening up things again, but for, for the most part here in South Florida, we're still quarantined. We're still limited in our scope and reach. And I've been advocating for weeks now. Would you use your social media platform to share the gospel? Paul is making the most out of a challenging situation. How about you? Furloughed from work? That's challenging. Praying for you. Holler at us at caregospelfellowship.net. Furloughed from work? Share the gospel. Quarantine at home, share the gospel. Kids are wonderful, beautiful, awesome, amazing people. But when you're locked up in the house with them for all these days, it gets challenging. Is, is, is your kids uh, dancing on your last nerve? Share the gospel with them. Are you out shopping, just trying to get your stuff and get back home? Share the gospel as you shop. Are you still at work? You're like, right now, I don't know what this quarantine thing is because it feels like normal to me. I'm still going to work every day. Share the gospel. Not only is Paul not taking a time out in prison, he's kicking it into gospel overdrive. He wants his readers to know that the gospel is advancing. This word advance is a word that's used uh, to, to, to mean one that blazes a trail. Paul is saying, I'm not just, you know, sharing. No, I'm actually blazing a trail. And the people that I'm sharing the gospel with, I'm telling them the same way I've shared good news with you. Now you go share good news with others. Beloved, that's how the church was built. As freely as you have received, freely give. So Paul is not afraid of sharing this gospel. It is advancing and it's not slowing down. Here's a question. What makes the gospel advance? What makes this gospel blaze a trail and not slow down when Paul is in prison? Paul's going to help us. Look at verse 13. 
So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that are uh, that my imprisonment is for Christ. One reason is because of the purpose of his imprisonment. If you're in jail, one of the questions you're going to get asked often is this. What are you in for? Just talking to a young brother yesterday and sharing the gospel. And he tells me that he did 10 years in prison. And he's like, uh, he's uh, he's telling me what he did to go there. It's just a natural question. What are you doing here? Imagine being the Apostle Paul. Hey, yo, Paul, what you in for? You robbed somebody? Nope. Paul, did you did you did you murder somebody? I consented to murder, but no, I didn't murder anybody. It's not why I'm here. Paul, did you, are you stealing stuff? Like, like, like what, what are you here for? What did you do? Are you, did, did you do tax evasion, Paul? No. Paid my taxes. My master told me to. Paul says, hey, you know what I'm here? Preaching the gospel. You got locked up for preaching the gospel? Yeah. Why didn't you just shut up? Yeah, you see this gospel. I can't shut up about it. Man, what's so special about this gospel? So glad you asked. There go Paul again, kicking the gospel, right? So as we keep reading, we find here that one of the reasons that the gospel is advancing is because the reason Paul is locked up is because of the gospel. Paul has this view on life. Wherever you put me, I'm going to use that platform to share the gospel. In high places and in low places, with the elite of society and with and with the not elite of society, I'm going to use that to preach the gospel. Another reason that Paul is here and this gospel is making such of an impact is the people that Paul gets to talk to. Paul says the whole imperial guard have heard this good news and others. One of the things that God orchestrates in Paul's life is Paul gets to preach to all kinds of people. He's not only preaching to the guards. Eventually, this message reaches people like Felix in, in Agrippa, some of the most uh, prof profound and, and, and elite people of that society in that day. He's standing before people with power and influence and means, and, and, and he may change how he shares the gospel. But the message of the gospel does not change. No matter where you are or who you are, we all are in this category called sinners, and we all are in need of saving. And the only person that is fit to save us is Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? That who we are talking to is not as important as that we are sharing boldly the message of Christ. The gospel is not just for those that are being converted and praise God for that. But verse 14 helps us again. And he says, and most of the brothers have become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment and much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. So Paul is saying there's some people that are coming to Christ in this, but there are also some Christians who are timid. And as they see me preach the gospel in chains, now they're becoming bold to preach the gospel too. Do you see this? That whether you are a believer or not, it's the same message you need to be reconciled to God and also the same message you need to grow up in God. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
these brothers, that means Christians, are becoming confident to preach the gospel, watch this, without fear. Man, right now, as our society begins to reopen, one of the things that I'm hearing over and over again is just this trepidation, this anxiety, this, this fear. What about this? And what about that? And man, I get it. We are praying for our first responders and we're praying for, for, for our leaders and our government officials and we're asking God to get them wisdom and discernment. And I get all of that. But one of the offshoots of sharing the gospel boldly is we do that and the fear dissipates. The hardest thing about sharing the gospel is starting off. It's starting the conversation. And once you break through starting the conversation about Jesus, anyone that has shared the gospel know this, the rivers just flow. God gives you what to say. He brings stuff back to your remembrance. He gives you confidence on how to share it. One of the things that happens as we share the gospel is the fear of sharing the gospel dissipate. So Rodney, how do I get over this fear of sharing the gospel? Answer, you share the gospel. You share the gospel. Listen, your walk with Christ is not about you. It's about Jesus and what he has come to do. It's not about how people respond to you. It's about are you going to be a faithful witness and herald of good news. So how do we do this? You model this through joyful obedience with your children, with your family, with your friends, with the next generation of believers. Can you imagine the joy that Paul is experiencing? Because he's hearing of how people he shared the gospel with is sharing the gospel with others and sharing the gospel with others. In other words, Paul is having children and grandchildren and great uh, grandchildren that he has shared the faith with spiritual grandchildren, if you will, spiritual children, if you will. And he's he's building by God's grace a, a, a legacy and a lineage of believers. Why? Because he's faithful in his proclamation. The next thing I want to talk to you about, man, before I do that, just just want to encourage you again. And we're going to talk more about GF. How do we do this? Well, that talk is coming up soon. How do we practically share the gospel? We'll equip you for that. But even as I'm preaching. I want you to agree. To say, yes, Lord, I'll go. Yes, Lord, I'll speak your truth. Whatever you need me to do, whatever you need me to say. Yes, Lord, I'll do that. I'll be bold for you. Make that declaration even now. Put that in the comments. Lord, I'll go. I'll speak. Some of you heard me say that in your hesitant. What if I put it in the comments and something happened? Would you just make a declaration now and ask the Lord to help you? Love you. Put it in the comments. Lord, I'll go. I'll speak. I'll say. As a matter of fact, this will be my challenge to you coming up at the end of the sermon. Would you begin to pray for opportunities to share good news? This is an unstoppable message. It's going to happen with or without you. If it happens with you, it's one of the ways that God wants to grant you joy. Second point. There's a thief of joy. There's a thief of joy. The story is told of two, uh, two friends, really, really good friends, went to school together, graduated together. They are uh, trying to just blow up in the business world. They are doing really, really well. And these are two brothers that love Jesus. They love Jesus. 
And as they're going about their lives, they are, man, just doing really, really well. And there's a demon assigned to try to get them to fall. And the demon is trying to throw different things at these brothers and nothing sticking, trying to throw things to just get them completely off track and, 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 and swayed away from their faith. And nothing is working. So the demon says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to um, I'm going to try to throw uh, uh, sex at them. Fornication. These brothers love the Lord want to be fruitful in business and ministry. And they, they say, no, I'm not. I'm not doing that until marriage. He tries to throw other things at them. He tries to do backroom deals. Let me try to help you move up your career faster by taking this shortcut. But the brother says, what God has for me is for me. I ain't taking no backroom deals. Tries to get tempt them with drugs and, and alcohol and different things. But the brother said, you know what? I'm not I'm not I'm not getting involved in that. I'm going to walk in a life of purity. I don't want to be swayed. I don't want to be under the influence of anything. I'm not I'm not falling for any of that. But then he says. I need help. So he goes to a bigger devil. And he said, Man, I'm trying to get these two brothers to fall and nothing is happening. What do I do? How do I get these two brothers to, to, to really just throw in the towel? Give up. How do I how do I off rail these brothers? Bigger demon says, tell one of the brothers that the other brother just hit it big. His business plan just exploded and he has funders coming from every direction to fund his vision. And he's about to be a millionaire many times over. And the little demon says, I don't think that's going to work. And the big demon says, would you just do what I say? And so he goes and he he gets the message out, gets the lie out to this brother. And this brother falls into a wicked jealousy. One of the things that were floating under the, the current of this brother's life was this secret comparison. And when one brother succeeded and another brother fell, the other brother couldn't take it. It is Theodore Roosevelt that says comparison is a thief of joy. Did you hear that? Comparison is a thief of joy. Some will disagree and say, Rodney, I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know about that. Yeah, I think I can use comparison in a way that is helpful. I think I can use comparison in a way that helps me motivate and inspire me to keep going and doing the next thing. I don't know if comparison is a thief of joy. Let's do a quick test. When you get off of Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you use, do you normally feel bitter, better or worse? Something about comparison steals our joy, our wholeness, our how we view ourselves, our perspective of ourselves. Comparison is a thief of joy. Some will say, no, man, I just I hear that, Rodney, but I compare myself to people all the time. I compare to pe- I compare myself to people on my job. I compare myself to people in my field and, and, and that you, I use that to inspire me. The problem with that is when you are comparing yourself to other people, you're you're you're, you're subconsciously running the race that they ran to try to get to what they have so that you could experience this quote unquote joy. And, and, and here's the language that accompanies that. You know, I got to go through some stuff right now, but when I get there, I'll have joy. When I get there, I'll have peace. 
I'll have rest. It's, it's, it's hard right now, and, but, but once I get over there, then joy will come. When I finish this project, I'm have joy. I ain't got it now, but it's coming. When I get married, I'm going to have joy. I don't have it now, but it's coming. When I finally move to my next residence, yeah, then, then joy will come. I don't have it at this house. Joy is waiting for me at the next house. The problem with that thinking is delayed joy is not the joy that God has promised here in Philippians. The joy that God has promised here in Philippians is not predicated on, on situations and circumstances. If that is the case, there is no place that I got to get to to experience that kind of joy. In other words, right where you are, God wants to give you right now joy. Today, this moment. And the way he does that is by helping us look at all that God has already done for us in Jesus. We are his sons. We are his daughters. We are bought with his blood. We have our place in the kingdom for those that have repented of sin and put faith in Jesus. We, we, we have something we didn't earn. We, we didn't deserve. He's given us joy. And out of that relationship that we have with him, we experience more joy as we share the gospel. We proclaim his news. We, we, we serve and walk with him on mission to join Christ in renewal of all things. We get to experience more and more this kind of joy. He's offering us joy, not something later and for tomorrow. He's offering us right now joy. And verse 15 through 18 is going to help us see that. I want to read this to you in the message version of the Bible. Listen to this. It is true that some here preach Christ because with me out of the way, they think they'll step right into the spotlight. But others do it with the best heart in the world. One group is motivated by pure love, knowing that I am here defending the message, wanting to help. The others, now that I'm out of the picture, are merely greedy and hoping to get something out of it for themselves. Their motives are bad. They see me as their competition. And so the worse it goes for me, the better they think for them. So how am I to respond? I've decided that I really don't care about their motives, whether mixed, bad, or indifferent. Every time one of them opens his mouth, Christ is proclaim, so I cheer them on. Man, do you see what Paul is saying about competition? Paul is saying competition, I'll have none of it. Paul is saying that there are some here that sees my imprisonment and their heart is with me and their heart is preaching the gospel for the glory and honor of God and God alone. They just want to make much of Jesus. But there are others who see my imprisonment as a gap that can be filled by them because they see me as competition. And what they want to do is they want to find more spotlight, more limelight for themselves, and they want to get recognition for what's happening. Paul says, that's not how I'm going to roll. How am I going to roll? I'm going to roll by cheering them on. 
The same people that could be putting Paul down, wanting to see him injured, wanting to rail to, to, to throw insults at him. Those same kind of people. Paul says, I am going to cheer on. I am going to rejoice over. Paul could have easily said, no, I'm going to be jealous of these people. I'm going to pray for their demise. He could have said, I'm going to be a person that's going to promote myself. I'm going to let people know that who I am and how much I know and how much I've suffered. He could have thrown a tour to promote Paul as the apostle of the year. He does not do that. He does not spend time wondering, why is this happening to me? Why is all these things overtaking me? Why am I here and they get to be there? God, what is going on? He doesn't do that either. Here's what the apostle Paul says. Listen. Whatever their motives are, I'm not going to spend my days here wondering what their motives are. Only God knows the heart. And for those, there's some that I'm sure they're preaching out of bad motives. It don't even matter. Here's what Paul says. I'm going to rejoice. Here's why. Christ is preached. What he means there is that he's rejoicing because the message of the gospel is getting out. These are these these guys have gotten their theology right. They're not preaching false doctrine here. And because they've gotten their theology right, Paul says, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to praise God for that. I'm going to celebrate them. I'm going to celebrate their work. I'm going to praise them on because they're doing gospel ministry. As we goes on here to say, Rodney, you, you know, you may think, OK, uh, what does that have to do with me? I'm not a preacher. I'm glad you said that. But you are a minister. Every member is a minister. All of us are called to get this message out. This is not solely something for preachers. This is something for all of us. And so maybe you're on your job and there are some people that are envious of you or hating you or or, or speaking ill of you. They're maybe saying bad things about you. And you're like, man. What am I going to do with that? What am I going to do when people are comparing themselves to me? And they, they could be looking for something in your work or looking for something in your life or what have you. What do you do with that? But here's what you don't do. You don't spend your days consumed with what other people are speaking or saying against you. God got you right where you are. You could be praying for, encouraging. You could be sharing the gospel with that person. Why? They are not your competition. Christians, we don't have competition. We've already won. We're already secure. We're already his. I don't have preacher competition. I don't have church competition. GFA ain't competing with nobody. We're running the race that God has given us. We've already won in Christ. Other churches, we're on the same team. Preachers, we're on the same team. Your success is my success. My success is your success. Rodney, what if they get the limelight? God's in control of the limelight. God's in control of it. What if they get noticed before me? What game you going to play? You going to play their game? Their game? You going to play God's game? Be faithful. Be honorable. Be diligent in your work. Do your work is unto the Lord. God sees, God knows, and in his timing, he will exalt you in due time. Your boss is not in control. Your supervisor is not in control. Are you kidding me? God's in control. Be reminded of that today. So you ain't got no competition. 
Right now, I want to be seen. I want a date and I got to dress a certain way to get a date. You ain't got no, who you competing with? Your, your, your body, hear me, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells in you. You don't have to compete with other women. You don't compete with other men. What God has for you is, is, is for you. So you don't have to downgrade yourself to try to find something. Be the woman of God God's called you to be. Be the man of God God's called you to be. You ain't got no competition. I'm trying to get my business off the ground and these other businesses are coming up and, and there's a gap in the market because of COVID-19 and everything is shut down. I got to run like crazy trying to find my, my, my place in the market. I'm not saying don't be shrewd. I'm not saying don't be calculated. But understand what God's called you to do, the race that he's called you to run. Do that faithfully without always looking like this, comparing yourselves to one another. The scripture says when you do that, you are not wise. I love Paul's angle because one of the ways I could hold on to the joy that God's given me is by not competing every day with everybody on social media, with my brother and my sister, with other friends that I'm competing. We don't have to do that. God has given us a chance to run our race and we need to run that race with patience. So we rejoice. Christ is preached. His sinless life is preached. His ultimate death is preached. The resurrection is preached. They got bad motives, but they got sound doctrine. I can celebrate that. God has given us victory over sin, over death in the grave. In those things we rejoice. The good news is going out. The good news of who Jesus is and what he has accomplished for us on the cross for our sins and how that gospel has implications in every area of our life. So, man, this morning, would you be encouraged? Would you be encouraged? Would you be strengthened? I want to take some time and pray for you. Father, thank you for your people. Thank you for this word. Thank you for being reminded that this gospel is an unstoppable message and we have a we have an opportunity and a responsibility to join you in that. So I pray that we would join you in proclaiming your truth. Thank you for this time and this moment. Thank you for your word. And Father, we just ask that you would fill us with your spirit. I pray for those that are down there struggling with something, they're going through something, and Father, they're hearing me talk about sharing their faith, and maybe they're thinking, Rodney, give me something I can feel. Give me something that meets me in my everyday. Lord, would you help them to see? Would you help them to see that you are with them, that you know what's going on, that you're there? And Father, I just pray for strength in the midst of that to be salt and light. I pray for strength in the midst of that to be bold with our faith. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you that you shepherd your flock. You care for them. You know, you provide for them. You protect them. God, we pray and trust you in that. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, beloved, my challenge from last week, I want to remind you, was to celebrate five people. Y'all remember that? And I ask you to pray for five people. Do y'all remember that? How'd you do? Go ahead and comment. How'd you do? Well, this week I have a similar challenge for you and I think it's helpful. Here's this week's challenge and this is going to build into next week. I want you to write down the name of two people. Talk about this in your, in your life groups, in your, in your D groups. I want you to write down the name of two people that you're planning on sharing the gospel with. 
I want you to write down the name of two people that you are asking God for an opportunity to share the gospel with. Rodney, what are you saying? I want you to pray for God to open a door for these two individuals. Okay? I want to encourage you to do that. 